Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. Thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. Like you, I've got lots of goals for this year, and one of them is to seek out and feature women from all around the world to tell us their stories. And we hit a home run with this episode. Born and raised in India, today's guest lived in Australia and in parts of the United States before settling down into the Boston area with her husband, her children, and a variety of pets. She has experienced many jobs, including systems analyst, bookseller, she's a TEDx organizer, a pet foster mom, and a PTO mom as well. But if you ask her, she'll tell you that her favorite thing is writing books for kids and teens that teach and share her Indian heritage. The latest is called A Match Made in Mahendi, and this is her U.S. debut. Her name is Nandini Bajpai. And this is her story. Nandini, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. How are you? I'm great, thanks. You were so kind to tell me that many, many times you heard me on the radio for years and years and years. I did. That never gets old. I love it when people say that to me. <laughs> Let's dive into Candio's lightning round so that our listeners can just get a little glimpse into your personality. I've got five questions, and all I need is your quick reaction. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Your favorite food is? Kadhi chawal. Ooh, what is that made out of? It's a chawal is rice and kadhi is a sort of a curry made out of yogurt and chickpea flour. Ooh. You find yourself saying what to your children all the time? Do your laundry. <laughs> Are you a list maker or do you just let the day unfold? I'm a list maker. Secret wish in the world? To travel to Africa. Nice. Your greatest joy? Uh, reading. There's a snapshot. Now it's time for us to tell your story. Tell us about the New Delhi of your childhood. If you could just paint us a picture of your early family life. Well, I'm one of four sisters. We all grew up in New Delhi. We, we traveled all over India, but most of my childhood was in Delhi. We just had a really busy household. We had a lot of animals. We had dogs and cats and cousins. Everybody in our family loved to read. So I grew up reading a lot. My father, my cousins, my sisters, and we would discuss the books that we loved. Delhi, of course, is a very, very cosmopolitan city. It has people from all backgrounds, from all different parts of India. It's sort of a melting pot. I was just going to ask, is it like a melting pot? It is a lot like the U.S. Lots of people, though, right? It Some is. of the scenes, I mean, I've never been to India but it seems like it's intoxicating. It is a lot busier and more populated than the Delhi of my youth. When I was growing up in Delhi, it was still a very green city. It had a lot of literature. It had a lot of art and drama. It was a different city than what it is now. It's a lot more exciting now, but I love that sort of slow pace of Delhi. Now, you said that you grew up all over India. Tell me a little bit about the other places where you lived and how different they might have been from Delhi. My father was in the Indian Army, so he got transferred a lot. We ended up traveling with him to the Northeast, Assam and Sikkim and Darjeeling and Kashmir. And a lot of these places are in the Himalayas, and they're very beautiful. 
and very remote. There wasn't a lot of television or anything else there. So we ended up again reading a lot. What was the message in your house when you were growing up? Was there a moral code? Were there certain things that were expected of you and your sisters? My mother was, she was a very loving mom. She was a very creative person. We didn't have a lot of rules. There was just support for all of us and support for all of us to do anything we wanted. We didn't have that kind of pressure on us that you see on children today sometimes. We were allowed to explore whatever we wanted. When you hear that your father is in the military, though, I start thinking maybe he was strict with you. No, no. He was a very indulgent father, and he loved books and literature even more than us. In fact, after he retired in Australia, he actually got his master's in journalism from the University of Queensland, and he loved to foster that love of reading and books in in all of us. You also ended up in Australia at some point. How did that happen? I actually migrated there. After I finished college, I actually applied and went through the whole immigration process and moved there. My older sister was already there. It just seemed like a wonderful place to go to. And then eventually my whole family moved there. India to Australia. Yes. Why why Australia? (laughs) Well, my sister was already there and I just loved the environment and the culture and just how open everyone and friendly everyone is over there. It's it's a beautiful country if you haven't been. You've said that writing and literature were always important in your home. Yes. When did you write your first story and what was it about? Do you remember? Yes, I do. In fact, everyone still teases me about it because I think I was, you know, in second grade or something. And it was about a pony called Roni. (laughs) A pony called Roni. (laughs) Yes. And I illustrated it and bound it and everything. And it's still sort of I get teased about that at home. Who was your role model when you were growing up? My two oldest sisters. My mother kind of hand us in batches. The older two are a year apart, and then me and my younger sister are a year apart, and we have like eight years between the two batches. My older sisters were the coolest things. What did they teach you? What did you admire so much about them? They were just so confident and self-assured, and, you know, nothing could upset them or faze them. They were very capable women. Speaking of sisters, you shared with me before we started rolling tape for this interview that your baby sister is quite a star as a writer as well. Tell me a little bit about her. Yes. So this is my younger sister. She worked in advertising for many years in India. Then she started writing. Her books are very, very popular in India. And she has five books out that are all bestsellers and have been optioned for, you know, movies. And one of her books was just adapted into a Bollywood movie and came out in September You must be very proud of her. Yes, I am. Are you all supportive of each other's work? Yes, we are. Definitely. In front of us here, and I'll show them because we always have a camera running, I have beautiful books. These are your books that were printed in India and part of your deal with Scholastic Books in India. Let's talk a little bit about your books because there have been so many of them. Tell me about the first published book. The first published book was with Scholastic India. It's called Red Turban, White Horse. Tell us the story. It's actually set in Boston, even though it was published in India. It's about a teenager, Mini Kapoor, who has an older sister who's getting married, but they don't have a mom. They lost their mom very young to cancer. 
their father's a very busy technologist and he doesn't have any time to plan a wedding so minnie decides even though she is just a kid she decides that she was going to take on planning the wedding the way their mom would have wanted to but uh, what ends up happening is this is set in 2011 and hurricane irene blows through all their plans sort of get blown apart literally and she has to deal with it so it's about someone planning a big fat indian wedding in america <laughs> but she's a teenager got it and then tell us about star cursed star cursed is set in 12th century india and it's it's the story of leelavathi who was the daughter of an astronomer a very famous mathematician called bhaskaracharya and he lived in a city called ujjain it's actually a real legend i decided to take the legend and actually turn it into a proper book you've also written a couple of others rishi and the karmic cat yes so rishi and the karmic cat is for younger kids it's a middle grade novel and it's set in boston and india and it's fantasy and what about let's make some lime juice That is a book about maths. It's for very young children and it's for Pratham Books which is a non-profit organization in India which aims to get a book in every child's hand. And now of course we have your US debut this hardcover book. I'll hold it up for our cameras so that you can go out and and buy this book. It's called A Match Made in Mahendi and it's published by Little Brown. Tell us a little bit about this story. A match made in Mandi is about Simi Sangha who is a 15-year-old girl living in New Jersey and she comes from a long line of Indian matchmakers. Her mother, her grandmother and all the women in her family have been matchmakers for generations. And she also has the gift of being able to connect people who would really like each other and she decides to use their techniques to come up with a dating app which goes viral in her high school. it's kind of a fun why rom-com but also a little bit about finding out what you want to do in life and also about getting in touch with your roots do you love what you do i do <laughs> it's all over your face you've had many jobs as well so let's talk a little bit about being a systems analyst that was my first job when i moved to boston i worked for fidelity investments for nearly 5 years it's really challenging and uses a completely different part of your brain than writing and the sort of creative work that i do now but i loved it i really loved it i only stopped when i had both my kids back to back and you were able to stay home with your children and you really kind of immersed yourself into being a suburban housewife right yes <laughs> so i also hear though that you were the pto mom and uh you rescue animals yes. take me back to that time in your life and did you love being a mom I did love being a mom. When my children were very young, I was just really busy with them and then I did try and get back into the workforce and I wasn't able to find the flexibility I wanted and needed. I just decided forget this, I'm just going to do this. It was so interesting and such a busy experience just being a mom and following the kids' routines and all that. I always volunteered. I volunteered in school and I volunteered in local community groups, the animal rescue a local children's magazine with the PTO group and when i got interested in writing with local writing groups you've also been a TEDx organizer what's that like please support our sponsors they make this show possible 
More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. This was for TEDx Natick, and that came out of my work with the Natick Education Foundation, NEF. We decided to look into that and try and bring that to our community, and it was really, really fun. You know, they say that every job we have teaches us something. Yes. What was the learning curve for you? What, what did you take away from, say, for instance, being a systems analyst? That part of your brain is sort of very logical and trying to build things from nothing. You use that same sort of skill in plotting and researching all of the stuff that goes into actually writing a full novel, that story building element and being organized and just even the work ethic, all of that goes into writing fiction as well. You've also worked as a bookseller at a local bookstore. Yes. So I'm going to guess that you just wanted to be around the books. That's true. I worked at Barnes & Noble in Framingham and then I worked at Wellesley Books in Wellesley. What did you love about that? You know, walking to a bookstore is like being surrounded by your friends. If you go anywhere in the world, if you walk into a bookstore, there will be books on the shelf that you know and love and their characters in it who you love and their writers whose words you love. It's such a comforting and wonderful experience to be in a store. What led you to the United States from Australia? My husband, he grew Oh, up you fell in love? Yes. <laughs> so, and he grew up in Stoughton, so... Okay. Yeah. So you fall in love with this guy. You met him in Australia? I met him in India. Oh. So so his, his parents moved here from India in the 60s. He grew up here, but he is from the part of India that I'm from. We met in India, and then he came to Australia and stayed there for a Tried little Tried to while. convince you to move to the United yes. States? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you describe your first impressions of the United States? I read so many books that were set in Boston. I loved Little Women. I loved Love Story. <laughs> I'd seen a lot of movies. So I had some kind of an idea, obviously, about, about the U.S. And I loved the sort of the rhythm, you know, the seasons and the way everything changed. I'd seen snow and, you know, the colors of fall and all of that. And when I moved here, it was at the end of summer. So the fall was really amazing to me. It was so beautiful. I loved it. How do you and your husband preserve your heritage while at the same time become a part of the American culture for your children? I know they're off to college now, but talk to us a little bit about that. And was it hard? It's hard to keep the customs and sort of festivals alive and nobody around you celebrating them. Like we were just talking about Diwali and it isn't a holiday from school. It's a normal work day. And that's the biggest holiday that we had growing up. You just try and move it to the weekend and find a few people who also celebrate it. And But what I really wanted to share with my children was family history and things that we found important. And then everything, of course, has to evolve and let them keep what they 
really enjoy about the family traditions and customs and some things are just not meant to you know stay they have to make the choice not us we share with them what we love and then they what decide what about what about your cooking oh cooking i love cooking that is something we have kept my mother-in-law is an amazing cook and we always would visit them on the weekend and we always had this amazing meal with her and then i have also learned to be a better and better cook <laughs> and they love the traditional indian food and i do cook a lot of it you know i'm going to guess that there are quite a few listeners who are so impressed with the fact that you've published so many books and now you you, you know you're you're with a very well-known publisher what advice would you give to someone who has a story to tell and wants to publish something that really matters to them couple thoughts how how do you go about doing that if you want to write and if you have a story to tell you should just do it i mean it sounds very simple but a lot of people think about it rather than actually do it so you know the first thing is to stop thinking about it and just sit down open a laptop and just write it type it get it down on the page and then also to find other people who can read it with you and read it for you and critique it a critique group is really important when you're first learning to write and you're learning to polish your work revision is very very important so getting it down is very big but also revising it polishing it that takes time and effort and it is a learning curve for everything you have to practice and try and get better at it so there's nothing different about writing and it doesn't happen overnight a lot of people have to understand that too between the first story you ever got published and the actual publication how much time went by oh my goodness such a long time i think i first started writing when they were in kindergarten i had my first magazine article published when they were in third grade and then i had my first book published when they were in middle school and then i had my first book in the us published but when they were in high school so it took forever it takes time what is your process as a writer you were just talking about the need to have people who can critique and the idea that you know you got to put it down on paper and revise it but what's your process when the idea comes to your mind you follow your curiosity and there are things that you always wonder about in the world and those are the ones the things that stay with you the things that make you wonder they are the ones that you should write about there's always something that only you can tell there's some component of your personal story and the things that you're interested in that crystallizes into ideas you have to decide which is the one that is strong enough that you can actually spend 6 months of your life finishing it into a novel and so, maybe there's that's where somebody who can be an objective third party comes in and you can yes. sort of talk your idea through to someone who's fair enough to say i like that one and i don't like this one yes my writing groups have been so helpful to me over the years in just trying to decide which one to go with and which one to just let go and boy letting go is not easy is it no <laughs> we all need someone who believes in us who has that person been for you i would have to say my mother she has always believed in all four of us all of us and she was very 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 supportive and my sisters my sisters are my best champions and support group now that she's gone you know life has a way of throwing up roadblocks and obstacles they get in our way when an obstacle is in your path how do you get around it you just keep trying 
rejection is a part of life. When you're a writer and you're sending your manuscripts out into the world, it takes a long time <laughs> before you get the acceptances. So you just keep trying. You try And not- you get the rejections. Yes, you do. <laughs> and you just have to put them away and try again. And that's what you do. You just keep trying. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass it along to our listeners, not just here in the United States, but all around the world? My mom is the one who said, keep going. It's almost like Dory in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. It sounds really basic, but honestly, that works for me. You know, motherhood changes us. Yes, it does. The minute they put that little baby in your arms, all of your priorities change. Yes. How would you describe becoming a mom and what did it do to you? It changes your priorities completely. There were a lot of things I wanted to do for myself, but I also wanted to be there for them in the best way possible. And also it brought me back to writing in my own personal life because I just felt there weren't stories about kids like them. I really wanted to make that happen because when I was growing up, there weren't stories about kids like me and nothing had changed in the time that I had grown up and become a mom. So I wanted to change it for them and for other kids like them. A young girl sits down to read one of your books. Maybe she sits down to read this latest book, A Match Made in Mahendi. How do you want her to feel when she completes that book, (laughs) flips that last page? My books are all about joy. I want to make kids happy. I want to introduce them to something they didn't know. Or if they do know this, if they come from the same culture as me, I want them to be able to see themselves in it. If she is Indian American girl, I want her to feel seen. And if it is somebody who is not familiar with the culture, I want them to feel like they know someone from that culture and have that feeling of being able to walk in her shoes. Success means different things at different points or chapters in our lives. What does success mean to you right now? Success right now, I'm so happy that this book is out and that feels like success to me. Having a book out where I live in Boston and in the U.S. Actually, it's out everywhere now, so which is also very exciting. So that is success to me, to have a story that I was able to tell available in libraries and bookstores and in the hands of kids. And to hold it in your hand? Yeah. That How does that great. feel? Well, that feels amazing. I, I love the cover. I love the way this, the design and everything. It just feels amazing that it went from my head into a laptop and then physical form. Nandini Vajpayee, I want to say thank you so much for being our guest and telling your story on the story behind her success. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?